Welcome to the Draw Shops Get Genius Podcast, where we talk to today's business influencers to pick their brain and pull out their genius. It's time to get genius. Hello, listeners. Welcome to another Get Genius episode. Today, I'm speaking with Molly Montgomery. And Molly is not only is she gorgeous, and it just has this very calming yet energetic way about her. You'll you'll see that when you or you'll hear that as you listen to the interview. She's she's awesome and she fulfills such such a strong need for startup companies in particular. She's the founder of Ascension, which is a startup advisory firm that helps high-performing entrepreneurs and visionary leaders grow or scale their company. With confidence, she uses forensic techniques to help clients fuel growth and increase profits. She also helps entrepreneurs develop, manage, and grow the financial foundation of their company while helping them understand their financial data and discovering new ways to measure and assess performance. We have a really great conversation on this during the interview because I think there's a lot of things that we forget to measure and most of us stick with certain numbers. You probably know what those numbers are and you forget to think about the rest. So she shares some insight on some other things that we should be measuring. She understands that the unique needs of a growing company are often not discovered early enough and this can cause a major impact on the company's future. And her whole goal is to provide young, fast-growing companies with the resources they need to succeed and avoid those entrepreneurial disasters before they happen. As most of us know, if you have a startup, there's, there's a tremendous amount of growing pains that are associated with it, and it can happen at different levels and at different time periods of the company. And Molly's genius is really getting entrepreneurs through those growing pains so that they have a thriving business that fulfills the passion of of their founders and and really stick with that whole mission of what the company was intended to be and why they even started this to begin with. And it's pretty cool. She'll she'll talk about this on the interview, but she's spent over a decade providing reactive advisory services through forensic investigations, litigation support, compliance and financial audits. She's she really like sees what the gap is in terms of resources that are available to younger companies and where where those resources are needed the most. So I'm really excited for you to listen to my interview with Molly Montgomery and uh, really understand what what business should feel like and and how to really enjoy the whole journey of building your business because i think most of us know you can't really cure all the stuff that's inevitable that's going to happen when it comes to chaos or when it comes to the overwhelm that can happen there's there's stuff that's just going to happen and when you're an entrepreneur you know that you're constantly changing and growing and it's not just you know this mundane walkabout it's really there's a lot going on and Molly helps share what she does to remain calm and and get herself in the in the right mindset to make smart decisions that aren't fueled by reactions and fueled by stress so she's an amazing woman, and I'm happy for you to listen to this. Enjoy. Hello, Molly, and welcome to the show. 
Hello. Thank you for having me, Summer. I'm so excited to talk to you. First, I just have to say that I've I've known a lot of Mollies in my life, and they've always been the like such bright light people. Oh, I love that. <laughs> so I, I have, have this really good association. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I oh, have, and great. every single one of them have have just been this like bright light. So. And you oh, are too. So anyways, that's so wonderful. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> well, I'm really excited to have you on the show because there's, um, we have a lot of people that have some startups, even, even those who have had successful businesses and sold them and are in the startup position again, still will face similar challenges when it comes to, you oh, know, sustaining absolutely. a business. <laughs> yes. Yes. So I, I know that you're going to offer some some great advice and and share with us a lot of wisdom. Um, so first, I'd love to hear just you know what what got you into this? Why was this something that you wanted to do? Oh, absolutely. So I, you know, when I started, probably similar to a lot of people, I, I went to college and didn't really know what I was doing with my life, and didn't even know if I wanted to be in college. I mean, I. I, I failed out of school my first year and was just trying to figure, figure stuff out. And I eventually just ended up on this path is to get an accounting degree and, and started doing all these things that people around me were saying, Oh, you should go and work for this firm and you should go and become an auditor and you should go and do this and that. And it seemed, so I, I was just following this path of, of doing something that I found out that I was really good at doing. Um, but after a few years into it, I just, I, it, I was miserable. I really didn't enjoy the path that I was on and I just felt so empty. And so I spent probably about <laughs> 12 years uh, bouncing around in the public accounting world, going from different firms to different size, working with different size clients, moving around, just trying to find that, that fit where I felt like I was doing something that, I was truly passionate about that. I was really making a difference and making an impact. And at some point I eventually just walked away from it all and, and started my first, um, my first attempt at entre- the entrepreneurial life and got involved in a couple different things was figuring out real estate, got, became a personal trainer, got really into the fitness world and was doing a lot of small business consulting and, and helping with small businesses. And I realized, my gosh, there's so many people that was the first time I really saw, had a real good taste of what entrepreneurship was about. And I started working with, with people who were creating things that were building businesses that were truly, they were from my, they were the ones that came up with the idea and had the passion behind it, but really didn't have the, the experience or expertise or knowledge behind the business side of things or some of the challenges they were facing just in making the decisions while they were growing their company. And so I started to find that fit that, my gosh, I can help you with these things and help you become successful, leveraging the skill set, the stuff that I know I'm good at, that I've, you know, I I started to find that fit. So I just, at at some point I, I've, I ended up going back into, um, back into the, the accounting world and just got involved more on the forensic side and the investigative side. And that's when I really realized, okay, I'm, I'm done with, with working with these firms and done trying to pile on more skills. Yeah. <laughs> I really, truly feel like I can go off and create something that is, that is on a foundation of, of what's, what's needed, what, what's uh, approach things a little bit differently than what a lot of advisors have 
in the past and just start creating something that's, that's from my heart. And so that's when I went off and, and just started, I, I started my company Ascension and really targeted these, these entrepreneurs who, um, were in the earlier stages of growing their business. So at the time, you know, the getting involved when they're still in that kind of small business phase, but where their visions and their passions and their dream and the goal of what they're creating is just life-changing where they're off to change the world. They're creating something that is truly going to be massive and they start to get the traction and it starts to happen. It's right at that point when all those pressures are starting to come into play where I, I come in and, and help them get through those early stages before they really become that big, huge, massive company right. <laughs> or sell it off or whatever. So yeah, it's, it's kind of where I've, I'm at just finding my fit of where I I'm, I'm feel like I'm truly making a difference. Right. And what are, what are some of the common growing pains that you're seeing with startups? Oh gosh, that's a great question. And it's, you know, one of the first things that I find and the first conversations I typically have is I see a lot of startups lose sight of what their vision actually was when they first got started. They'll, they'll start something up and, and get things going. Rather they go out and raise, find investors, get raise capital, or they are bootstrapping the whole way. Just once things get going and they launch their product or service and they find the customers and they start to bring in revenue and start to hire all the day-to-day stuff and all the challenges that they face on a daily basis, it's so easy. It's so easy for them to get pulled off track of what they initially, what that vision truly was. And so I'll go in and start to, to help resolve whatever the particular, the biggest pain point at the time happens to be. And in order to figure out how to, how to handle, how to resolve certain situations, the first thing that we have to know is, well, what is, what is it you're actually trying to accomplish? What is your vision? Because that is what's going to drive how you resolve this. And that's when those conversations, it's so common. That's when everyone realizes, my gosh, that's part of the problem. We've gotten so off track of what that vision actually is. So that's one thing. Um, cash flow is always a challenge. You know, those first couple of years, when you're really trying to find that fit of how, what the flow of your business is truly feels like, what is your business model? What is it going to be? What's going to work? What, what can we go with that we're going to be able to truly leverage and scale on that's going to be able to, to last. And so cash flow is always a challenge and figuring out, okay, once we start to bring in money and we, we start to find customers and have revenue coming in the door, making the decisions of what to do with that money. Right. And and you start to, um, I, you know, I, I see people tr- scaling too quickly. Well, they'll think that they've got this, this big vision, this big plan, and they go and they find investor money or they start to get revenue coming in the door and then they go and hire a bunch of people, <laughs> but they yeah. don't have the actual volume of, of business to, to handle for everybody to be, you know, to keep everybody busy. And so then all of a sudden they've got a ton of overhead it was just too soon, or they don't have the systems of the business in place yet. And they go and ramp up their marketing and advertising yep. and just everything falls apart internally. So yeah, cash flow, scaling too quickly. 
Um, and I'd say the last, I mean, the other main thing that sticks out is, is anyone who owns a business of, of the founders just not taking care of themselves very well to where they're overly worked, overstressed. There's they they've put so much of themselves into the business that the rest of their life is starting to is just completely out of alignment and disconnected and they feel it. Yeah. And so that's always a main a main conversation that I have with people of making sure they are taking care of themselves, their family, their health, their their own personal finances, all the stuff that's driving their stress levels because that's what's driving the decisions they're making in their business. It's all connected. And so that's a really common, that's a really common conversation that I have with people that I I didn't even, when I got into this, I didn't even think that that was going to be as, as prevalent as it is, but that's turning out to be a main, a common thread, a common factor. (laughs) Yeah. And I think people are becoming more aware of it yet still, still kind of, there's a lot of entrepreneurs I knew that realized that the importance of that. And, and even yeah. though they realize it, they're still not practicing it themselves. Yes. Yes. Well, and I think there's this momentum that picks up. You're st- you still have your passion. It's still there. You know, it's that, that creative side of you as a, as a founder, or as someone who's creating something from nothing, as the momentum keeps going, you kind of get caught in this it's like this ball of energy of like, okay, <laughs> I'm going in this direction and I don't know how to step over to the side. Yeah. <laughs> how do I step over here just to do what I need to do? It, it's like, you know, I can feel, I felt it, you know, I've been in that oh, place yeah. too. So yeah, it's truly having the awareness and then also just, you have to just make it, you just have to make it happen. Right. <laughs> so what are some of the things, I mean, I'm sure, especially being an outsider, when you're sitting with somebody who's in that position, you know, where they're, they probably are overworking themselves. And especially in a startup, you're doing a lot more things than, you know, you will be doing hopefully down, down the line when you've hired a team and, and you have more people that you can delegate to. How do you, I'm sure that you see these, you know, <laughs> I mean, I hate it's like a disaster that's about to happen. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you can see it yeah. like looming, you know, this is going to happen if you keep doing it this way. What yes. are some of the, the ways that you, you know, make those changes? Cause I think it's so hard for people to change. It's so hard for them to give up something that they've been doing each day, whether they know that it's the right thing or not. They're like, this is the thing that keeps me going each day. So how do you tell right. them like, Here's, here's another way. Yeah. Well, it usually, it starts with first, I, I make sure when I'm starting to work with somebody that they are aware of and wanting to do things differently. They're aware that they need to, and they're wanting to, and they're ready and willing to figure out how else to do it differently without knowing what that's going to look like. Right. So you hear that, the, 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 you know, the saying of you have to be coachable, yes. really understanding and, and being able to get to that place of, okay, what I have been doing may have been working up to a certain extent and I am where I am right now. And it's not, it's not, I can't, la- it's just not going to last this way. So 
I make sure that the converse in that the conversations that we have around what are all the major pain points that you're dealing with, what are all the things that you see right now that are the biggest um, issues in your company, and then I'll give my assessment of here's some other areas that I'm going to point out to you that probably need some attention, yeah. and then just look at it collectively and say okay. There's all of these things. Some of it's just technical stuff that needs to be dealt with, or if we can figure out if you need to hire somebody else, or you know, just some of those operational things that are, I wouldn't say they're easy to deal with, but they're easy enough to look at and say, okay, how do we resolve this? But it really starts to come down to talking about how can we approach it differently than what's been done before. And so there's a lot of self-evaluation and a lot of... Um, just bringing more and more awareness to how, how is your communication with your co-founders? How is your communication with your managers? How are you evaluating your team? What are you really good at? What, what don't you want to be doing anymore? And just really coming up with a plan of how to start to shift out of a reactive mode and into a more observational, proactive approach. Right. That makes sense. Yeah, definitely. There's a, it, it's just, it's understanding of it, it. That's truly what it is, is shifting from being reactive to being proactive, shifting from constantly hustle, hustle, go, go, go to just learning how to sit with things when there's major challenges or big decisions that need to be made, getting to a place where you can just sit with it and, 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 and find the solution in a place of calmness. And that's, that's the biggest thing of when somebody's growing a business and it's, they go from nothing to launch to $500,000 of revenue to a million to 5 million to 10 million. There's something that happens around that. from what I've seen around eight to 10 million where that shift has to happen or the company does not grow anymore. Yeah. It really starts to come down to, it's not so much the operational stuff anymore it's not so much the fact that you don't have customers because you clearly do. Right. It starts to become that the leadership team has to start to, it's a self-growth thing. They all have to go through their own shift to become the person they need to be for that next level. Right. So what are some of these forensic techniques that you use you know, if you can just give a few examples, I'm sure there's, there's a bunch in all different aspects of the business, but yes. So it starts with, think about like when it comes to any kind of thing of what an investigation would feel like, or would look like, it's usually, you don't really know much of anything and you just need to figure it all out. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So, so I'll go in and, and anytime any kind of advisor or mentor or consultant or outside party is coming in and looking to help with, with any aspect of the business, it really needs to be approached. They need to understand what, what they're getting into. What is the goal of the company? What is the vision of the company? And, and where are they right now at that exact moment when you're having the conversation with them? So I'll, I'll find out what is your overall, what is your big vision for this, for this company? Do you really Company-wise, do you have an exit plan? Do you are you taking this to something that you really want to just you want to sell? Do you want to take it public? Do you want to go after bigger investment funds? Do you want to do you want to go after venture capital? Do you want to keep growing it just 
purely the, you know, what, what is your, your plan, your strategy and your vision with a company? And then also what's the vision of what you're actually creating of the impact that you're making or the customers that you're, that you're helping the, the solution that you're bringing into the, into the market. What's your vision with that? And then, and then just do an evaluation of what's going on with the business of, okay, who's, who currently is involved? What advisors do you have involved? What, what agreements do you have with people as far as any kind of profit share agreements, partnership agreements, what vendors are you working with? And just really understand what is the business currently doing and what is the current business model? And then looking at what is the gap between where you are now and what you say you're you're wanting to, what you're going after and, and then piecing it together from there. It's really just painting the story of, okay, well, you've got on the financial side, who's doing the accounting? Are you getting your financial statements and your financial reports? And what kind of metrics are you looking at? And on the sales side, do you have a sales team or how are you driving revenue and, and what are you measuring on that side? And how is that matching up with the financial side? And just looking at how it's all connected and understanding. And, and a lot of times just through those conversations, the the founders in those conversations, the founders themselves can often know and feel where the biggest gaps are in their business, but they don't really know how to address it or they don't realize the impact those holes are making in the bigger picture. Right. And so it's a discovery where we do it together. We're, we're kind of we're we're discovering it together, because in the in when I'm I'm asking questions, people kind of there are certain questions that people will say, ah, oh, yeah, we do need to do that. We should probably be doing that. And so it's it's just kind of a, a you know, people their intuition, their yeah. you know, their gut, they know, they can feel it. <laughs> yeah. It's just a matter of okay. I can't do everything. That's why I'm, you know, that's why I'm reaching out and trying to find the resources to start to take it to where we need to be. So it's a lot of questions, a lot of looking at what is, what is going on in your company. Right. So what are some of the, in terms of resources and, you know, majority of advisors that are out there, what do you, what gaps do you see in terms of what's available to entrepreneurs? Oh, that is a good question. I, the gaps, I'd say one of the biggest gaps, it's one of my biggest frustrations when I'm trying to find the right resources for the people I'm working with. Cause I'll go in and I have, I have some consultants who work, who work for me or I've got a bench of consultants that I'll reach out to depending on what's needed and kind of, you know, put together the the team of people that are needed depending on that the particular client. The biggest gap that I see is the number of um just advisors around it, it, companies and advisors that are trying to help high growth startups but don't actually understand what high growth startups are dealing with. Uh, they approach it from working with a more established companies in those industries and then come in from that level and try to help these, these earlier stage companies with more mature, uh, with a more mature company type of approach. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. 
Definitely. It's frustrating because you can tell there's major breakdowns in communication. There's major breakdowns in just the way it's approached and even just the way it's the services or the the product that's being offered where it's, it's kind of like, ah, no, this would be awesome. But you need to kind of understand that the people that you're targeting with these younger entrepreneurial clients, there isn't, there's a, it's not matching up. And so even just some of the advisors that I've seen, some other advisory firms, some attorneys, some, some other CPA firms, and just even tax advisors and all these people that are trying so hard to help these high growth businesses, but just are completely missing the mark on understanding what they actually need. Yeah. (laughs) And so I do a lot of, I've, I've done a lot of, of helping, um, facilitate those conversations and those relationships and, and kind of help those people understand, okay, here's what we actually need. Like, (laughs) right. Exactly. (laughs) So I'm curious because, you know, given your, your background and like, you know, the depth that you went to with, you know, your, was it forensic accounting investigations, all that kind of stuff. You, you obviously are probably familiar with so many different, so many things that can be measured within a business that maybe a lot of founders are not actually measuring. So I'd love to hear for our listeners too, how, what are the common things that they are measuring now? And what are the things that they could also be measuring that they're just not thinking about? Yes. Oh, I love that. And it's, so there's a couple different ways to look at it. I'll, you know, in the, a lot, one of those questions of what some, what are some of the more common things that people are be, are measuring? So when a company gets started, the main thing that people are most focused on and should be is revenue. Right. Um, cause you've got to make sure that you can find, you can find that fit where you have something that you're offering that people want and that people are going to buy and that you're you're finding the right messaging and you're at, and you're marketing. And if you're doing advertising or however you're doing it with your sales team or, or whatever that process looks like that you're finding the right messaging to be able to find those people to where they're saying, yes, that's what I need. And that's what I want. And I'm going to continue to buy from you. Right. So that getting over that hurdle is one of the, you know, that's a, that's a whole hurdle in and of itself, but getting that revenue and consistency and growth is the first thing that people are looking at. When I start, usually there's a point where the focus shifts off of just revenue and change the focus shifts over into what else should we be measuring? What else are we measuring? And really getting that dialing into what that, what else that looks like. So I will first say that one of the biggest disconnects that I often see is that people don't realize that that's part of the shift they need to be making, that they don't know that that's what it is. And so I'll go and I'll start talking to them and say, okay, well, what are we looking at? How do you know how, how well you're doing? And they just look at revenue. They're just looking at how much cash they have in their bank account and what their deposits look like. Like that's how they're measuring what, what's going on with their company yeah. and knowing that they can cover okay, we've got rent and payroll covered. You know, there's just this, that's how they've been running their business for a certain amount of time. And so that's one shift that people have to make of, okay, you've got to start looking at all the other stuff of how is your company actually operating and what else to measure. 
So the other things to look at, it starts with just understanding what industry, I mean, what industry are you operating in and what are some of the benchmarks that you can look at that other people in the industry are measuring? So a couple things around like, I mean, with customer acquisition, how much is it costing your company to acquire a customer? Because that helps you understand, are you charging the right amount for what you're selling? And also, how long is it taking to recoup the cost that you're spending to bring in customers? So customer acquisition, the cost that it's taking to acquire customers is huge. Um, the lifetime value of your customers is a really big thing, too, of knowing, okay, I may have something that I'm selling, but I'm, I'm ultimately don't want to have just this one or is this a one-time deal or is, or once we get a customer in the door, are they a customer for a certain amount of time? What, how long are they going to stay with us? How much money are they potentially going to be spending with us and how much value can we continue to bring into their lives of really understanding what that cycle looks like? So that, cause then that helps you understand, okay, well, what else can we, what other products or services can we bring to them? Or how, how much more do we need to go out and find more customers at what point in time through the customer life cycle, do we then go off and try to ramp up and bring in new customers? Really understanding what that customer lifetime looks like is really important. Yeah. Definitely. Um, return on advertising spend, like advertising dollars, marketing spend, whatever, whatever you're spending for anything like that for marketing, advertising, really trying to figure out how, what kind of return are you getting on that? And it's, that's one of the more challenging things because there's so much online, online marketing, online advertising that's in all the different channels, all the different, you know, you got so true. Google, content marketing, Facebook ads, like all of it. There, there's so much out there. It's hard to figure out, okay, well, how does that actually attribute to like, how can we match that up to the way we're actually bringing revenue in? So that's, that's the complexity that a lot of businesses are starting to, to run into of all the data that's out there with all the advertising, but really figuring out where are our customers coming from and, and how much of a return are we getting on those advertising dollars? Right. Um, and then, yeah, I think the last thing is just from the op, like operationally, when you have, when you start to have a team of people working for you and you have employees and you've got a sales team, you've got creative team, I mean, whatever, whoever it is that you have working for you internally, knowing what area they work on in the business, how that matches up to the financial statements, like what part of the financial statements are those people responsible for and helping them understand, okay, these, this is the main number or the main metrics that you guys are responsible for. I love that. Well, helping people start to take on their own responsibility for their team, for their division within the company that, that matches up to overall where it links up into the financials. That's great. I haven't heard that before. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I like and that that's a, a shift. Yeah. yeah. Shift a lot of, and so back to a lot of founders, like the people who are initially creating the company, you take on, we take on so much responsibility ourselves of being the, the leader and the owner and the, the, you know, the executive, the, whatever our role is with making sure everything is, is working. Yeah. <laughs> we, we wear all the hats. 
and then we start to hire people and, and, and hopefully have another layer of management or leadership involved and really starting to pass down some of, it's not just passing down the tasks and delegating tasks, but also really passing down the management and the leadership of that overall part of the business yes. to where those people can start to take on some of that. And, and, and you as the owner and the founder doesn't have to, you don't have to do it all, all the time. So speaking of that, when, when is the right time? When is it the right time financially, um, you know, for the growth of the company? When is it, you know, too soon? Or maybe you can't afford it yet. Maybe you can't afford not to. How do people determine the time to, you know, start to put somebody else in charge of managing a certain part of the company or just making a new hire? Oh, that is such a great question. And it really, this is one of those things that it really comes down to. It's so specific to each company yeah. because it really depends on who else do you have on involved, you know, who else do you have involved, whether it's internally, other people on your team that you already have involved. If you have co-founders, if you have investors who are bringing in their brilliance and have their, you know, their resources or not. And then what vendors are you working with that, that you're leveraging and you're able to use their expertise and their resources, but it all, it really, that's the main thing that you start with is just evaluating what are all the resources that we currently have and are we leveraging and using them to the best that we can. And then figuring out what is the biggest pain point of if you feel like you start to, you might want to or need to start hiring somebody, just looking at where do you feel the biggest bottleneck maybe, mm-hmm. or the biggest weakness is, um, or the biggest lack of expertise or skill set in a particular area. And if there's, if the current resources that you have can't fill that in, then that's, that's where you start to look at, okay, that's the type of person we want to start to bring in. And then the question becomes, okay, well, are we hiring a management level person? Are we hiring an executive level person? Are we hiring more of a lower level junior staff type of a person that will be training it's that's when it starts to come down to, again, who else do you have involved in the company? What kind of resource do you really feel like you need? Right. And then, and then going from there. Um, and then, yeah, just budget wise, that's where the getting to a point where you can make sure you are putting together, uh, some sort of cash flow projection or, or budget for the next, at least the next year, to, to see, okay, with the revenue that we're bringing in and the costs that we already have, if this is the type of person we know we want to hire and that we need to hire, figuring out, well, what kind of a salary would we want to offer them? And that's just research, figuring out, you know, what is a competitive salary for that type of a position? And then you back into it, you figure out, okay, this is what we need to come up with cash flow wise in order to hire that person how can we make that happen? Yeah. And so it's shifting costs around. It's, it's figuring out how can we optimize revenue that we're bringing in, in order to open up that space. And it's amazing. Once you figure out that that's the person that we need, that's what we need to pay them. This is what role they're going to fill and how it's going to help us. 
it's just amazing how, how much it just, things start to open up and you're able to make it happen. Yeah. <laughs> it's so right? true. Yes. <laughs> just the world of entrepreneurship is that we're just resourceful and you start to put those intentions out there and it just, it starts to happen. <laughs> yeah. It's so true. <laughs> so that, um, kind of kind of leads into the next question just because it, it kind of w- once you start to do those things and you start to free up more time for yourself to do the things that you really love mm. I'd love to you know kind of bring this all together by talking about enjoying this whole process and not being in the position of ah oh, it's a grind and I'm I'm losing my passion for what this was supposed to be how do you how do we ensure you know us entrepreneurs that we, we enjoy this whole ride of building a business and pursuing a dream. Yes. Oh, and I just got the goosebumps as you asked me that because <laughs> that's that's like the that's 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 the heart of it all. Right? Yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, uh, and it's the the main thing that I've found, and this is from my from my own personal experience, and just from all the brilliant people that I've worked with who have gone through their own journey of the struggle and then finding that place of joy. It really comes down to a couple things of understanding and knowing that we're never going to get to anywhere other than where we are right now. And I know that sounds, people talk, say that in a lot of different ways and talk about it of like, Oh, you've got to be present. You've got to just enjoy where you are at the moment in the moment, but it really, truly, really understanding when you're an ambitious person and you're a creative person and you've got a vision for something, it's always going to be shifting and changing and growing. It's always going to be a moving target. Yeah. And so you have to understand and realize and be okay with that's just the life that we've chosen as entrepreneurs that there's there's a flow that you want to try to connect to of that target's always going to be moving and just allow that to be what it is. Right. And so finding that place where you can, people talk about all the time of that, having a gratitude practice or being grateful or just constantly trying to find ways to connect to what right now in this moment, what is working? What are you enjoying? Making time to do the things that are taking that, that, that you do enjoy doing, finding that place where you feel like you personally are in alignment in your life. And then the, everything else just feels like it's just flowing. Yeah. Even in the midst of all the chaos and all the stuff that's, that's frustrating or stressful or overwhelming, it's, it's, looking at all the areas of your life and figuring out what is the one thing that I need to do here to just make this feel like it's in alignment Yeah, and and constantly checking back in with that. And so, I mean, a mindfulness practice, gratitude practice, meditation has completely changed my life. And many, many entrepreneurs I know that are, that are, have been going through their journey and, and are, beyond successful by their definition, you know, we all have our own definition of success, right? Meditation comes up over and over and over oh, again. It does. Yeah. And, and I, I was, I was raised on meditation. So I've, I've, were. I love yeah. And I, I love, my mom was a teacher of transcendental meditation and I 
love the fact it was so rare and so, you know, people had so many questions about it growing up and, and asking my mom all the time and asking me and especially a child doing it. It was just like, what? And yeah. it's so, it's, it's really like, I, I, I mean, like you said, most entrepreneurs that I talk to, it's like a staple in their life. This is what yes. they yeah. need it. And I, I love that. I love that it's become so, you know, accepted and such a, necessary practice. And I think the thing about what I've learned from meditations, because I'm trained in transcendental meditation as well. And I've been meditating every day for a couple of years now. Yeah. And it's, I, it, it, it took a while for me to get to a place where I was truly doing it every day. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's, it's one of those things where you're like, you can get off track and you, you don't do it for three days in a row. And all of a sudden you're like, uh, I'm done. I can't yeah. do this today, obviously. <laughs> you know? Totally. Totally. You just get back on, you just get back on and you sit back on. But I realized it starts to, you start to carry it with you throughout the day. So when you're in the midst of, let's say a sales meeting, or you're in the midst of something going wrong in your company or in your relationship, or something goes off with whatever it may be, something happens, you start to deal with it and approach it from a very meditative, meditative calmness yeah. <laughs> that you otherwise don't even understand or know what it feels like without having some kind of meditation practice. So it's, it's not just the actual meditation of, Oh, I've got to be at, you know, be at one with the world or, you know, the oneness right. with the universe or whatever that people sometimes get turned off by. That's a, you know, that can be a huge part of it, but it's also just the matter of, of, carrying it with you throughout the day and feeling calm, finding that calmness in the midst of all the chaos and overwhelm. Because Because the thing is, yeah. And and I love that you're saying that because it's, it is all going to be there. Things are always going to be shifting and it's really about, it's not so much that, you know, you have the power to get rid of it around you. It's really about how, how do you manage it? How do, what state of mind are you able to get yourself into so that you can deal with it all? Because really the problem with chaos and overwhelm and all of that is the way that, like you said earlier, is the way that we react to it. Exactly. 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 And then you're able to connect to, so when people say find joy in the journey, find the, find the enjoyment in the journey, that's where you find it. Yeah. is realizing in the midst of all the chaos, all the distraction, all the all that external noise, you're finding that peace within yourself of it's just working. Yeah. You know, yeah. <laughs> exactly. This is what I want to be doing and you find you're able to say no to things easier, you're able to figure out what you really truly what truly does make you happy and you connect to it from that place. Yes. I love that. Oh, Molly, this has been awesome. Yes, I love <laughs> thank it. Thank, thank you. you. <laughs> thank you so much. I love I love what you're doing. I love who you're working with and, and your whole mission. It's awesome. I'd love for our listeners to be able to find more information about you. And if they are interested in working with you and your company, can you tell us where I can send them? Absolutely. Yes. So my, my company, you can come, the website is ascensionco.net. And then I'm more and more active on social media across, um, you can find me on Facebook, just Molly Montgomery. 
Um, I'm also getting more active on LinkedIn. A lot of, I know a lot of, there's quite a few startup founders that have been more active out there. So Molly Montgomery, um, Quora, I've been spending a lot of time in Quora. I don't know how many people are familiar with that, but in asking questions and responding to questions about a lot of business stuff and life stuff and meditation and all that. So find me on there. Um, and then Instagram is where a lot more, I have a lot more of my creative artistic life outlet of Molly Montgomery on Instagram. And I, I travel a lot and that sort of thing. So I'm a, I put a lot of inspirational stuff out there. Oh, perfect. And as always, we will have um, all of those links on our blog post and show notes. Awesome. Thank you so much, Molly. This has been fantastic. And oh, I'm so happy to have connected with you. Likewise. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to today's Get Genius. You can learn more about The Draw Shop at www.thedrawshop.com on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter. Your home for kick-butt custom whiteboard marketing videos. Your ideas come to life. Thanks for listening. Please share, comment, and make any suggestions for future genius guests.